to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, man, this is so good. Once again, count them. How many times do you hear stories like this? A new one from CNN. Uh, Mealworms cooked in sugar may be the perfect ingredient for carnivores and others looking for meaty, protein-rich, and sustainable seasoning. Uh, I've always wanted my seasoning to be meaty. Researchers um, are hoping that soon you'll be hearing, would you like some mealworm powder to help season your food at the dinner table soon? Uh, This is uh, the American Chemical Society's fall meeting. The research that is happening now in Korea is a response to the dietary demands of a growing global population and the looming climate crisis. Everybody's going to be eating bugs. Yay! Well, it'll be, it'll be something to do because we won't have any uh, electricity or anything to be able to do absolutely anything except bow to our overlords. Uh, by the way, we have uh, Alex Epstein on with us. He is the author of a great book called Fossil Future. He's joining us next. Um, it is time to seriously consider, to sit, consider how prepared you are for financial hard times because, believe me, they're already here. I've been saying this for 20 years, and this is the first time in my career with Stu because I hired Stu to be a skeptic. I hired him because he's a good balance for me. He's like, okay, all right, Nostradamus, slow down. But the things that are going on now are actually frightening you now. You're not frightening. You're starting to say, I think I should be much more prepared than I am. Yeah, no, I I think you you should be prepared anyway because you can't predict every little thing that's coming around the corner. But the more and more this stuff happens, the further down this road you need to be. So believe me, the bad times are here. Goldline has a special Labor Day offer that'll give you a ton of free product along with the most sound investment you can make in a turbulent economy. Precious metals. Goldline this week, this week only, offering the pre Labor Day holiday special. Uh, with every gold legal tender bar purchased, you're going to receive one free silver maple flex bar at no charge. Also, uh, 10 of the silver mind your business bars at no charge. Goldline has three, they've, they've taken three of their, uh, uh, their, their most popular products and put them together in a package that is available only right now for Labor Day. It is goldline.com. Call them now, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE. Let's go to uh, Alex Epstein, uh, who is with us now. He is the author of Fossil Future. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Great to be back. I, I have to tell you, I've been waiting for weeks for this uh, interview um, because you are the guy. You not only, in your new book, you not only give us the way out, what we should be doing, but you're actually describing what's coming. It's insanity to to cut our legs off before we have another chair. You know what I mean? We're, we, we are turning off all of our energy supply, and it can't be done this way. I mean, one thing I talk about throughout fossil future is this phenomenon of fossil fuel benefit denial. We hear a lot about <clears throat> climate
climate change denial. But the real denial is the huge benefits of fossil fuels, which provide 80 percent of the world's energy in a world that needs far more energy. And yet we're talking about rapidly eliminating fossil fuels without any evidence of a viable replacement. And that has been the insane strategy that you're talking about. Yeah, the, go through some of the benefits of because everybody's like, oh, fossil fuels. OK, I get it. Petroleum. <laughs> so you got your cars. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the real benefit of fossil fuels, as I talk about in Chapter four, is a livable world. I mean, people talk about, oh, <laughs> I'm worried that fossil fuels would make the world unlivable. Uh, but you have to recognize first that fossil fuels are the only reason why the world is livable as you know it. So the world naturally is a very deficient and dangerous place. It's very low on resources and it's very high on threats. We in what I call the empowered world experience the world as an abundant and safe place, but that is a very unnatural phenomenon. Specifically, it's a phenomenon of being able to use machines to radically expand and amplify our productive abilities. So expand means we can produce things using machines powered by low-cost, reliable energy that we simply can't do with our physical bodies, like provide an incubator that can save a baby's life. And then we also amplify our abilities. We can do things like run a combine harvester that can reap and thresh a thousand times more wheat than a really good manual laborer can. So the, the only exist in this abundant and safe world by the grace of all of these machines doing work for us. And that only works to the extent energy is cost effective, which means low cost, reliable, versatile, meaning being able to power any type of machine and, and scalable. So providing energy for billions of people in thousands of places. And what we're seeing with this energy crisis is when you make energy less cost effective, everything becomes less cost effective and you see Europe afraid of winter, which is an embarrassment, and you see real threats of, of starvation around the world. Now, people will hear in America will say, well, it's not going to happen here. That's just because Europe screwed up somehow. And I don't want to think past that. They actually just didn't take the pause on the Paris Climate Accords, right? So they're just a little ahead of us. Yeah, well, there, nobody is following the Paris Climate Accords. In a certain sense, we are following it more than they are, but, but yeah. nobody is really following it in terms of rapidly eliminating CO2 emissions. But this, this is what's scary, is that the net zero agenda has maybe had 1% to 2% success in terms of slowing the growth of fossil fuels, because fossil fuels are still growing around the world, mostly in uh, under underdeveloped places that are less restrictive. But in general, fossil fuels are still growing, but they're shrinking in what I call the empowered world, the freer parts of the world. And even that is causing an energy crisis because energy is so important and it's so desperately needed. So people don't really understand what it means not to have energy. Over in, I think it was Scotland, uh, Amazon and Microsoft shut down some server farms because they just couldn't get the enough electricity. We are a, a country and a, and a civilization that is reliant on our technology, not just our engines, but also our technology. And if you don't have the power, you can't keep it at today's standards. But I don't know if anybody's noticed this. Uh, what's happening in the uh, technological world is only getting bigger and more uh, invasive in our lives, not smaller. We need more electricity in the future, not less. 
For sure. So this is something I talk about in, in chapter five of, of Fossil Future, which includes talking about, you know, the, it's an expanding pie in terms of the need for energy. The biggest reason is just most people are very energy poor in the world. We have six billion out of eight billion people who use an amount of energy that you and I would consider unacceptable. We have three billion people using less electricity per person than a typical American refrigerator. We have a third of the world using wood and animal dung as their primary fuel for heating and cooking. So we have that. But then as you're as you're pointing out, uh, the parts of the world even that are empowered, we're finding new ways to use energy. And particularly in the realm of information technology, we have rapid growth. And what, what, you f- what you're finding with some of these tech companies, it's really tragic or in a certain sense shameful, is they are huge consumers of electricity who are, who are you know, rightly using more electricity. And yet they're huge boosters of the idea that we can get off fossil fuels rapidly. And one way they do this that's particularly insidious that I talk about in, in Chapter 6 on alternatives is they claim to be 100% renewable. And the, way they, the literal way they do this is they pay grids to give them credit for everyone else's solar and wind and to give everyone else the blame for their coal, gas, and nuclear. So this is really shameful, and it's promoting all the wrong ideas, even though the world needs more energy, and they're exhibit A of why. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, the problem with our information system that we have now where people believe global warming is a catastrophe, and yet we have more information now or access to more information than ever before? Yeah, I have a term I coined called knowledge system to really capture the set of institutions. We often call it the media, but that's too much of a simplification. The set of institutions that are designed to give us expert knowledge and guidance. And I think one one key thing is that you have these different phases by which knowledge is acquired and transmitted. And so there's the research phase. But we don't just get things from the research. The research needs to be synthesized by institutions and then disseminated. And then ultimately we evaluate what do we do about it. And with something like climate, what you see is the actual research has quite a few biases, but even but that research, even as it exists today, in no way justifies this idea of climate catastrophe and certainly in no way justifies the idea of rapidly eliminating fossil fuels and replacing them specifically with unreliable solar and wind. And yet we get this narrative that, oh, the scientists say we need to get off fossil fuels and replace them with 100% renewable. That doesn't follow at all. And so what's happening is we are getting a distortion from what I call the knowledge system. The institutions we're trusting to get expert knowledge, they're distorting the actual state of the research uh, to the point where we're being told that fossil fuels have no benefits. And yet reality is proving they have huge benefits and, and losing those benefits is catastrophic. Alex, um, Put this on, um, I mean, you've been warning about this for a long time. Uh, Put this on what's coming in some sort of scale that people can understand. What is life like in 2030 if we continue down this path? What's it like in 2024, 26 if we continue down this path? I think there are two versions of this that we need to to contemplate. one is less realistic and one is is more realistic. So the less realistic one is the one where we all pursue anything resembling net zero, where we all seek to reduce our emissions without a viable replacement. And certainly there's nothing resembling a viable replacement by 2030, particularly because you're basically not allowed to build nuclear now. So um, if everyone did that, it would be like 
much, much, much more extreme than what Europe is experiencing right now, because it's just and you're just seeing it. You know, their power bills are going up by a factor of four. All these shops are shutting down. You, you see the whole economy crash because it's interdependent. And energy is the industry that powers every other industry. So the price of energy determines the price of everything. So you just see prices skyrocketing and, and things crashing. So there's that happening on a global scale everywhere. But the reason I say it's unrealistic is, let me ask you, do you think China's going to participate in this, Glenn? No. You think China's going to rapidly limit no, they're gonna, Is Russia going to? No. They're going to love this. No. They'll be providing oil for any country that is not, you know, adopting this insanity. And so this is, this is what I, one of the things I warn about in chapter 11 of the book, which I call, which I call unilateral disempowerment, which Europe is, is exhibiting right now, which means the freer countries decide, hey, we're going to restrict our emissions. We're going to stop. We're going to lower our fossil fuel use. But what happens then is you empower often the less free places like China and Russia. And China in particular loves using huge amounts of coal to produce huge amounts of unreliable solar and wind that then ruin our economy and our way of life. Like that's great for their ambition of becoming mm-hmm. a global superpower by 2049. So that's what I, I think is the most realistic is that we kind of sacrifice unilaterally and we make ourselves much less secure, much more dependent on powers that do not wish us well and that are not pro-freedom. Tell me what, tell me what we lose besides freedom. Tell me what the average person's life, how is this going to impact? How is this going to change? their life well i would just ask have you ever been really poor uh (laughs) yes he has alex he has i've seen it i've seen it in action i have (laughs) no i'm just saying like like the you know most of us even who have had success have had periods where we didn't have much money i certainly had that in my life and like it will be much much worse than that I mean, this is this is the thing, because, you, you know, you have the element of just becoming much poorer, which people experience even with modest rises in gasoline prices. You, know, you cannot uh, afford as much. But part of it's not just so it's this combination of you become poorer, but also you are in a society that is disintegrating. And so what you're like, look at Sri Lanka and other places where you have these riots. What happens is the decline is not this just smooth thing where, OK, I made one hundred thousand dollars and now I make sixty thousand it is chaos. I mean, you just look around the world. Every time you have these fuel price crises, it is it is chaos. And it's not like America is in a particularly stable state right now, uh, politically. <laughs> I <and> had <socially>. noticed. <laughs> so we don't. This is not what we need. Now, the nice thing is we have all the physical resources in the world to produce enough energy for a lot of people to have a good life. Like this is a, totally a political I mean, it's cultural beneath that, but it's a political phenomenon. So we can produce a lot more fossil fuel. We can produce nuclear energy. We can pursue what I call energy freedom. And that's a lot of my work right now, besides, you know, making clear this idea of a fossil future is promoting energy freedom policies so that we can get there and and also get to new alternatives. So I only have about a minute left. And I want to ask you about your uh, energy freedom, because you're saying, let us build nuclear Power. Let us, you know, real promising alternatives. Let's uh, release the release the hounds here. Let us do our work. Chances of that. I mean, I'm starting to see people love nuclear energy more than I've ever seen it since I was a kid. I know it's, it, that's an exciting development. So reality, you know, this crisis, uh, they're helping us 
open people's minds. If people want to check this out, go to alexepstein.substack.com and you'll see near the top the Energy Freedom Platform. I should say, you know, I used to have no influence at all in D.C. and now I work with something like 300 staffers on policy in different ways. So I'm optimistic that there's a real appetite for a new energy policy that gives us all the energy we need in the present and promotes the, the positive evolution of energy going forward. Alex, thank you so much. Thanks for all of your hard work. Founder and president uh, of the uh, Center for Industrial Progress and the author of a great new book. It's called Fossil Fuel. Uh, sorry, Fossil Future, the real story on energy that no one else will tell you about. And it is important that you hear it so you know what's going on. Alex Epstein. All right. What do you know about the Fed, the Federal Reserve? Uh, biggest bank in the country, basically. One that Congress first created. Then handed all of our power over for them to create money. And it's a bank. It's a private institution. It's not a government thing. Does this sound like a bad idea? Turns out, yeah, it was. Today's inflation is eroding our money's purchasing power. And it's going to continue that as long as the tax and spend politicians and the Fed keep printing more money. You need to understand how the Fed and how inflation works. I listen to these people in Washington, D.C. They don't even have a clue as what causes inflation. No idea. You have to know, and there's never a better time to teach your kids about it as well. Tuttle Twins. Um, I called the Tuttle Twins um, people and I asked them if they would make this available one more time. Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. It's a kid's book, but honestly, you'll read it. And unless you've read The Creature from Jekyll Island, you're going to learn a ton in this. It explains where the Fed came from, how it works, how it contributes to inflation, what inflation is and how to fight it. And it's great for adults and kids, but it's a kid's book. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. While supplies last, you can get this copy free of the Tuttle Twins and Creature from Jekyll Island at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Ten seconds. Station ID. All right, this isn't good. One of the China, one of China's largest developers said the country's property market has tumbled into a severe depression. Using some of the strongest language yet to describe the year-long downturn and the financial pain that it has caused. Country Garden Holdings, for which years ranked as China's top real estate developer by contracted sales, reported a 96% drop in first half profit after selling a third fewer homes than it did a year ago. You know, it's really weird. We think about buying homes. It's not like buying a home in China. You go to a state-run bank and you get a loan for a house. Then you go out and you look for a contractor. And you're making, you don't, when you sign on the house for them to do it, you're making the payments, and it might be five years before you get that house. The problem with this has been is these contractors have gone under, and there are no houses. And so you have millions of people in China going, wait a minute, I've paid five years, and the banks aren't paying anybody back. There's nobody, you know, and that's, that's the Communist Party. No one's paying these people back. There is no money, they say. Well, there is no house either. This is exactly what happened with Volkswagen in Germany. And Volkswagen, after the war, was in a legal fight 
I think until like 1963 or 65, trying to give people's money back because they there was a savings plan. You just contribute X number of dollars to Volkswagen every single paycheck, and you're going to get the people's car. Well, unfortunately, a little guy named Hitler decided that Volkswagen wasn't going to make those cars. He was going to make the war machine and use that money to make the war machine. So after the war was over, so many Germans went and had a class action lawsuit. Well, you're not doing that in China. You're not doing that. What causes a man to stand in front of a tank? That's one thing. What causes hundreds of thousands of people to stand in front of a tank? Well, this. They have no money. China, their housing market is now in a depression. The Glenn Beck Program. I want you to ask yourself how many bits of personal information, your personal information, are online at any given moment. Your name, your social security number, your bank information, credit card numbers. If this doesn't concern you, you should, Um, especially if you don't have LifeLock. You really need something to watch over all of this. It's really important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft will affect your life if it hasn't already. We do everything online these days, and you don't want to cut Internet safety out of the budget. So you can save 25% off right now on a subscription to LifeLock. It's top of the line in cybersecurity. It's preventative measures to keep you safe and access to a restoration team if you do end up having your information hacked into because nobody can stop everything. It's LifeLock by Norton. I'd like you to join now. Check it out for yourself at lifelock.com. But consider joining now, please. Uh, Save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. That's promo code BECK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go to lifelock.com. Promo code BECK for 25%. It's lifelock.com, promo code BECK. Back to back, Studios America, Glenn TV. Don't miss it on blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Hey, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program tonight on my Wednesday night special, the emerging parallel economy blurring of government, big tech and big finance. The left wing ideology has created this woke industrial complex, and it's a complex that does not tolerate any kind of dissent. It is it's a religion. You play ball or you will go and stand in front of the Grand Inquisitor and all of the cheering crowd as they dissect you. Uh, It is insane left-wing crusade. It's continuing, and if it continues at this current pace, half the country will soon be locked out of the economy. So what are we going to do about it? Well, dollars and dissent, countering woke destruction with a new economy. That's tonight at 9 p.m. only on Blaze TV. And if you think it's crazy that... You know, oh, you're going to lock them out of the economy. California legislature just passed a bill 
that will punish doctors and other medical professionals for spreading purportedly false information about COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. Why is this happening now? Why is this happening now? Because I don't think this is about COVID-19 vaccines uh, and uh, treatments. This is a doorway. So wait a minute. So if my doctor says, listen, I, I don't trust that, that COVID-19 uh, vaccine, I wouldn't take it. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend you do this. They can lose their license. So we have the state telling you or telling your doctor what he can or cannot say about a product that the state is a co-owner in. That's not good. I want to give you um, just a little refresher course uh, on our founder. 1798, I think, is the um, Sedition Act. Sedition Act was uh, finally pulled and found invalid, um, but it caused a a real um, um, a real problem uh, and a real debate the first time it was introduced. Now Woodrow Wilson brought it up again, but the first time it was used was during our second president, John Adams, and um, so the debate became: Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Just because they're saying something about the state or you, Mr. Adams, or you, Mr. Jefferson, you think that the First Amendment doesn't allow you to uh, uh, to have those charges brought up against you? Well, but these people know it's not true. So this amazing debate happened. I invite you to look this up. The, the debate was all around whether or not the state has a right to tell you what's true and what is not. And the founders came to a place to where they said, and I'm, I'm practically quoting, if you can help me remember this at all, Stu, but I'm practically quoting where they said, look, if a person decides he's just going to be the worst person in the world and he has no scruples, no no moorings to anything ethical or moral. And he decides to make up the worst things that are known lies. And he knows it. We cannot say that he gets jail time or he needs to be shut up because of why. Do you remember, Stu? Uh, because the government can't be the arbiter of truth. Why? Because the government could be at the other end of a claim, right? And then if they're the ones that are determining the truth, then you can't accuse them of anything because they can always say, well, my side is right. Correct. So you, you can't put it in their hands. And they went as far as saying, look, this is this is like if you have and they they account, uh, they um, uh, talked about it in their time because Adams and Jefferson went at each other. And so the the Democrats and the Whigs were at each other's throats, just like now. And uh, the Whigs, not a huge presence these days, but I know what <laughs> no, you're saying. Yeah. So they were they were at each other's throats and they said, look, in in a situation like we're in right now, where it's 50 50 and one side doesn't believe the other side. You put something on trial to decide what's true. 
what happens if you get all Whigs in there or a majority of Whigs or you get a majority of Democrats? They're not going to be able to give a fair trial because they see the truth differently. Now, think of this. Having a trial for anybody in Washington, D.C., anyone who is a Trump supporter in Washington, D.C., are you going to get a fair trial? (laughs) I don't think so. That's why the government can't decide truth. They can play no role in that. California is deciding what the truth is. Now, California has been at some of the the center of squashing the truth and lying to you. They're using COVID-19 as an example of that they should be the ones that tell you what's true and what's not. California. I don't even recognize I don't even recognize sanity with you anymore. There's no logic to this at all. But warning, it is coming. It's coming in California. And if California adopts something, wait until you see how many others do. By the way, um, another story on this. Uh, I was sued uh, how many years ago, Stu? You had to narrow it down. <laughs> I was sued like 10 years ago for something that I knew uh, was true because I had the documents from a source inside of Washington. And this was a very, very credible source. And uh, he was in the position to know what was true and what was not in, in Homeland Security because it all went through his hands. But he couldn't be outed. So I couldn't say who it was. And I asked him several times, will you please testify? I can't or I lose the access. So I can't. Okay. So I took it. But I had the documents and they were not redacted. And I went to the judge and I said, these are the documents. And she said, well, how did you get them? And I said, from a source. Who's your source? I can't tell you that. Then we can't tell you if these documents are right or not. I said, then tell the government to produce these documents. We had like six White House attorneys show up at the next hearing. Six. I had one. Six. And they told the judge to her face, we're not giving you these documents. They're privileged documents. We're not giving you these documents. She said, well, you're going to turn them over. And they said, no, we're not. And they left. It was over. And then they didn't produce the documents. And so she calls them again and says, you are going to produce these documents. So they did. 300 pages fully redacted. You could have the ifs, the ands, the buts, but almost everything else. I mean, it made it made Donald Trump's affidavit look like the encyclopedia. And what was interesting about that is it wasn't like they were hiding what was in the documents because you had the unredacted documents. Correct. So like it was just all they needed to do was confirm whether these were real or not. And they intentionally redacted everything so you couldn't tell. I even went to the judge or my attorney did and said, "Okay, see on the bottom of the lens. See how it says page, you know, three, three oh one. Okay, turn to page three oh one. Notice the ands, the ifs, the buts are all in exactly the same place. (laughs) (laughs) What are the odds of that? Wouldn't accept it. You cannot win 
against the government, if they can claim secrecy, privilege, if they hold all the cards, which they do, this is why we developed the Constitution, because these are the things that the king was doing to our founders. That's why that document is so genius. But the further we get away from that document, the more in peril you are. Yesterday, my staff received word from Preborn that right now, this program, this audience, is responsible for 8,000 babies being saved from abortion just in the last few months. 8,000 babies live today because of you. And that's just so far. Uh, my gosh, this audience is going to play such a great role. They just a, You're going to be a beacon of light when truth is completely gone. Light comes from truth. You are going to be a beacon of truth because of the good that you do. Over the last 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions take place. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives is going to continue at greater level as they fight Planned Parenthood, defending the centers against the radical hate groups who do, you know, you've got, you've got the state of New York working with Google to get them delisted so you can't even find them on the Internet. Could I ask you? To help us save babies, a gift of any side makes a difference. $10, $50, $100. I met somebody the other day said, we bought um, a ultrasound machine. They're like $12,000. That means a clinic has an ultrasound machine that they can, once you show the mom the baby, once it becomes real, 80% chance she's going to say, I want to keep the baby. Keep the preborn centers safe and open. Help us, will you? Dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. It's pound 250, keyword baby, or preborn.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. So Rob Schneider uh, was trending yesterday, and uh, uh, what was trending was a was a clip from The Blaze that was amazing. He did a podcast with me. If you haven't seen it yet, see it, in case you don't remember Rob Schneider. Movies, SNL, blah, blah, blah. Very funny guy. Um, and what he said on the podcast, um, I'm absolutely willing to lose it all for what uh, I believe. I don't care about my career anymore. I care about my children and the country that they're going to live in. That's the quote. Well, that didn't sit well with the left. And they were after him yesterday. And I'm not sure if people understand what it means to come on to my podcast. It is there is a Glenn Beck tax. You're, you can go on with a lot of people. You go on with Glenn Beck and you pay a high tax. Shh. Don't say that out oh, loud. Oh, yeah. It's great. You're sunshine and lollipops. You come on and nobody says anything except good things. Your income will double. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I honestly think, and I know this for a fact, that we've had a bunch of people who 
over the years wanted to come on and have a conversation with you because they thought it would be interesting. They thought it would be, you know, an impactful conversation, but they don't do it because they just know down the line, who knows what's going to happen. And, you know, you're going to wind up with the Glenn Beck uh, repercussions where you're no longer allowed in polite company. Yeah. So Rob Schneider, who like I, me. Ju- I think <laughs> I think it did happen That's to you. my life. It? Yeah, you it know? is. <laughs> so Rob Schneider is I mean, you really have to watch this podcast. I really like him. He is a good, solid citizen. He's just a, a decent man um, and really heartfelt when he was talking about, you know, our challenges and how we have to treat each other. I mean, he broke down in tears. He just he's it's great. It is really great. Um, but. Uh, you know, when I asked him, are you willing to lose it all? He didn't even think. Absolutely. Because if if we don't have it, then we have nothing. If we don't have freedom. We have nothing. And. uh I told him, you know, this is pretty much the end of your career because <laughs> nobody's ever had on their resume. Well, I started with the podcast with Glenn Beck, and then it was all great after that. So I'm sorry if you're a Rob Schneider fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Less, well, I mean, he, he was talking about his movie and how this movie would be made by a a big studio i mean you know yeah. uh, you know it might not be uh, you know maverick but i mean you know rob no, Schneider has a good, a good record and yeah, a, you good know, record he's been in a lot of funny movies. huge movies yeah huge and he can't get any of his former friends to make it because he is who he is yeah and i don't think it was his friends i got the impression that his friend friends yeah, are yeah. still there oh yeah yeah, yeah. um I, I didn't uh, mean to single out because yeah, he obviously yeah. has a, a tight circle not those yeah. guys they're not a problem yeah and and it is his it's the people that he has made as he said i've made these people millions of dollars and he said i know this film and it comes out i think next week or this week maybe um look it up look up what, what the name of it is but it's only playing in one theater chain because no one in Hollywood would pick it up. No one in Hollywood would pick it up. So now I think it's at Lowe's, isn't it? I think it was Harkins. I Harkins, yeah. that's it, Harkins. Yeah. So it's only in Harkins Theater. So if you live in a town, I mean, they just closed our Harkins down, so I can't go. But if you live in a town with a Harkins Theater, go see the new Rob Schneider movie. Daddy Daughter Trip, right? Daddy Daughter mm-hmm. Trip. It looks funny. Um, and help support this guy because th- this is crazy. And he, he said, look, I, you know, I don't care anymore. I do like that though. He, he's not like, gosh, I might, I'm getting beat up for what I believe. And I need you to come out and see my movie because I'm, I'm no. a target. He's just like, I've already made my money. I in don't care. Po- I'm going to say it or uh, no in matter the what. podcast. Mm-hmm. He didn't even, he didn't even bring it up. No, I asked him, what are the repercussions? And he's like, well, I just made a movie. And nobody's going to do it, so it's a limited release, you know, because they found out, you know, oh, wait a minute, you're a conservative. Uh, that's the only reason why he even brought it up. He wasn't asking to do this because he was trying to hype it. I I really like the guy. Uh, check out the podcast on my YouTube page. It's uh, the podcast from last week. and uh, Last week, it's Rob Schneider. Uh, and look for uh, Daddy Daughter. Daddy Daughter, Daddy Daughter Trip. Trip. Mm-hmm. Daddy-daughter trip. Uh, 
at a Harkins movie theater near you. The Glenn Beck Program.